interview today with Jeff Goins from GoinsWriter.com. He has grown his blog in an incredible rate. This past year he's interviewed the likes of Seth Gooden and Michael Hyatt and he's gotten a book deal published from his blog. He is really doing well online and he's an awesome guy so enjoy the interview. Well uh, Jeff thanks so much for joining me today. On, on our podcast, I'm really excited to bring what you have today because you have done a lot of stuff with your website, with your blog, and you've seen a lot of tremendous success. And before I get into what some other questions, I'd like for you to spend a few minutes just talking about some of the your blog and some of the successes you've had so people can kind of get an understanding of, of what you've done and what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, I'll do my best, and, and thanks for having me, Justin. It's a pleasure. Um, you know, my blog is uh, basically a, a year-old project that I started last year, and um, it all started with a conversation I had with a friend who asked me what my dream was, and I said, oh, you know, I, I don't really have a dream, that sort of kid stuff, I thought, and he really pushed me, and he said, well, you know, that, that's funny, because I thought you would say that your dream is to be a writer. And when he said that, something just kind of shook, you know, in my soul. Something really just came alive inside of me, my, my heart, and somewhere deep down inside. And I didn't, I didn't know what that was, but I mean, that really resonated with me. And and then he, you know, kind of further pushed, and he said, um, "Yeah, I said, yeah. So I, I guess my, my dream is is to uh, you know one day be a writer." Mm. And he said, "Well, you know that that doesn't have to be your dream." Because you are a writer. You just need to write. And I mean, he was affirming things that he had seen in my life and he had read some of my writing and he knew that there was this gift that you know was there and that it was something I had been doing for uh, some time. I just yeah. wasn't you know, fully acknowledging it. So I was sort of <clears throat> hiding and uh, hiding behind the, the work of my day job, which was you know really meaningful and important as well. But I was, I was deferring my dream um, you know, waiting for something, some time that was never going to come. And so uh, the blog has really just been an experiment. You know, I've been trying to uh, reach other writers like myself who are passionate about the craft of writing, not necessarily as a means to an end, but uh, an, uh, an end to itself. Um, you know, I, I found that when I rediscovered my passion for writing, I, I just loved doing it for the sake of doing it. And as I've done that, I've found that, you know, uh, an audience has shown up for that. And, and that's taught me an interesting lesson about life and passion, which is that the world takes notice when you're doing something that you love. And uh, that's what I've seen. And, and I've tried to, you know, encourage a, a small tribe of uh, writers and creatives and, and people that read my blog who have that same sort of passion. And so, you know, I, I write about writing, but I'm really writing about life and whatever 
has been put on your heart, whatever you've been given to do in this life, to uh, find a way to do it and you know fall back in love with it. If if yeah. uh, it's sort of become a burden or you haven't done it, fall in love with doing the thing that you've yeah. <clears throat> been made to do uh, for the sake of doing it. And if you do that, I, I think I think the the universe you know has a, a way of rewarding that. Sure. And uh, that's that's been my experience, and so that's been fun to you know see that happen in, in my own life, and I've seen it in several other people's lives once they start pursuing their passions and yeah. overcome their initial fear of starting. They seem to experience uh, you know a similar confirmation. Sure, that's so, great. I, I really like what you were saying too about really discovering your passion and going after it because our whole the my passion is to help other people to tap into that passion because I think it's within that that our purpose lies a lot of times. You know, we yeah. we try to make it something it's not a lot of times or we try to look outside of ourselves. But I think, you know, we've been created with this passion and these desires and these dreams ingrained in us even since we were young. And it's it's in that that if we would start going down that route that we could really find ourselves in a position where we've always, or where we're, we're fulfilling the dreams we've always had and making a difference in other people's lives at the same time. Right. You know, and I know that's, for you, you know, a passion as well. I've seen some of your, your writings. And one thing I saw, you wrote a book about sort of being wrecked for good. Mm-hmm. And um, so tell me a little bit about that book. And, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess there's you know two parts of the the project. Uh, one is I wrote this ebook a long time ago, like two years ago, uh, for a website called Change This, uh, which was started by Seth Godin, I think, and and it's about uh, you know creating manifestos with ideas worth spreading to um, change something. So anything from business to your personal life to uh, you know personal finance or something. Um, every aspect of your life, there's all these different, you know, manifestos. And so I wrote one about um, being wrecked, being uh, wrecked for the ordinary and set apart for a, a different yeah. purpose. And, and basically, it's like an anti-self-help guide. Sure. You know, so instead of trying to find your your best life now in seven steps by doing these things to improve me, yeah, uh, you. Give away your life. Yeah, and, and I basically argue that um, the reason that so many of us are, are unfulfilled is because uh, society uh, in, in Western cultures, in most Western cultures, it is uh, about focus on the self and self fulfillment. And, and there's, you know, ironically, something unfulfilling about sure. uh, trying to fulfill yourself. And, right. and so I, um, you know, make the argument based on lots of people that I know and. Uh, you know, stories that I've read that uh, the best way to find your purpose is is to look outwardly, to go um, and help uh, people in, in need and yeah. to uh, essentially give your life away. Yeah. And that's now being turned into a, uh, a you know, full-length uh, book, which will come out you know, later this year in uh, September. That's great. It'll be the same title with a different subtitle. Uh, the title will be Wrecked. Okay. And uh, the subtitle is um, "When a Broken World Slams into Your Comfortable Life." Mm, I like that. Uh, it's a collection of stories from 
friends and uh, missionaries and entrepreneurs, all yeah. people who have found their calling in life uh, in unlikely places where there's poverty, pain, brokenness. They found something that was broken and then they allowed that brokenness to break their heart and and they started you know, finding ways to, to make a difference. Yeah. And that brought them a sense of purpose that they... Uh, you know, had never experienced before. That's that's really good. I mean, that's in line. I just wrote a blog, a blog too. I almost said a blogcast, a mix between a blog and a podcast. <laughs> but I, I just wrote wrote a blog that's called "Up Is Down." The same same principle that you know you really find fulfillment when you give your life away for others. You know, you success is found in sacrifice. You know, you f- you feel more love in your life when you give. Out, it's like Christmas. You always feel better when you give a gift than when you get a gift, you know. Right. Although I do like getting gifts, I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah, sure. But um, one thing you said in the book, which was cool, was that young people are struggling to find meaning in their everyday lives. They're floundering. They're lost in a cloud of insignificance and mediocrity. So, what would you say for you and for other people you came across, just in a maybe a, a brief thing of how did you you or these people go from living a life of insignificance, not understanding a purpose and passion, just sort of in a rut of the day-to-day without that passion, how did you go about finding that or, or setting yourself on course to do that? Yeah, well, um, you know, I don't know that it's that it's a, a formula. I, I think that, you know, what it means to be wrecked, in some ways it's something that happens to you. You yeah. know, I, I just... Uh, interviewed a, a woman in Uganda this morning, um, somebody who's who, who is a school teacher and uh, went to uh, this uh, service at her church where somebody from World Vision spoke, and she felt compelled to sponsor a child that night, mm-hmm. and it just set off this chain reaction of events in her life that ultimately it led her to going to Uganda, meeting her sponsor child. Um, eventually moving there. Now mm. she's getting married. Uh, she's uh, she's got a job. She started a you know nonprofit organization there. Mm. She's um, working with a church full of widows. It's this whole community of of mm. widows that support each other, and this is what the ministry is based on. And it was all a series of things that sort of happened to her, and. Uh, you know, and, and so, I mean, in, in one sense, it wasn't like something where she said, well, I'm just, I'm going to decide to wreck my life today and sure. you know, sell my house and quit my job. I mean, she had this very comfortable life. Uh, something happened to her, uh, but then she did make a choice. I mean, she chose to step into that instead of, you know, kind of stepping yeah. back. And, um, you know, I, I could re- really relate to that. Uh, there's been moments in my life where I've, stepped into something instead of stepping back. And, and I think it began when I was studying abroad in Spain uh, when I was in college. First time I had really been out of the country, and I was about halfway through that semester, and my friends and I were uh, walking home one night, and this man stopped us. And he uh, asked us for some money, and uh, you know I grew up in a small rural, rural community, and so I'd never experienced a lot of urban poverty or homeless people and living in Seville, uh, we were surrounded with beggars and um, gypsies and, and people asking for money. And we just sort of learned to ignore them. 
which is what we were told to do. But then this one night, this, this guy was, uh, you know, asking us for help, and he said he was hungry, and, uh, uh, you know, one of us said, well, you know, we'll, we'll, if you're here tomorrow, we'll come back and, and give you some money tomorrow. And, he, and, and we started walking away, and we felt, you know, okay about that, because if he was really serious, he would show up, and then he says, I could be dead tomorrow. And uh, that kind of stuck with me, and I, I think he was probably totally milking the situation and, you know, manipulating us. Yeah. Uh, but I kept walking, and there was just this feeling in my gut, and I felt like I had to turn around. And so there's this bridge that we would cross every day uh, going to and from school, and about halfway over that bridge, I handed my roommate my book bag, and I said, I, uh, you know, take this home, I'll, I'll be home soon, i got to go do something. And I just ran back to him. And... Uh, I found the man and, and treated him to McDonald's and, uh, you know, a, a Big Mac and a large fry and a beer, because you do that in, right. uh, in Spain, <laughs> or beer at McDonald's. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and, 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 we, and we talked. And I walked home, you know, from that, and I, uh, I just felt different, mm. you know, and... I didn't change the guy's life, but it sort of changed mine. Mm. And I, I think something happened where I, uh, I learned to stop tuning out the voices, and I, I, I learned to start stepping into uncomfortable situations, like you know, a homeless person asking you for food. And I just started engaging with people, and so mm. that kind of set me on a course where I stopped ignoring needy people because they made me feel uncomfortable, and I didn't. You know, for a while, I gave money to anybody who asked, and that, you know, that kind of uh, didn't always work out well. One time I gave a guy, you know, like a dollar, and uh, saw him disappear and come back with this, you know, big 40-ounce thing of, you know, malt liquor. And I was like, oh, gosh, I you know, don't really feel good about that. <laughs> that didn't that go I made. well, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I, be, I, be, I began to realize that these are people, and I just started... <coughs> And uh, so, I mean, I guess for me, it was just the decision when something happened to me, you know, when I had that feeling, that gut check, like I should really do something, yeah. I started paying attention to that. And I think, I think a lot of people experience that, you know, they, yeah. you know, their conscience or whatever sort of speaks to them and tells them this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we ignore that and we regret it. And yeah. I just don't like living with regrets, and so, um, you know, I haven't done it perfectly, but I uh, just feel a lot better about my life, you know, when, when I have an opportunity to do the right thing, and, and I choose to do it, and, uh, and I talk to a lot of people, uh, this person included, you know, that I talked to this morning, who can relate to that, you know, they had moments where they missed it, they just feel terrible. You know, they had an opportunity to help somebody, and, and they missed the opportunity. And they'll never get that back. But they'll probably have a hundred other opportunities in the next month to do that. And so, I mean, that's a, a lesson. But for me, it was just uh, when I turned around, when I was walking over that bridge, and I decided to turn around, just something was unlocked. And I was no longer afraid. Yeah. You know, no longer afraid of people in need. I was no longer afraid of conversations that I normally would have shied away from. Yeah. 
and uh, it just it changed a, a lot of things that I did, you know, uh, for the re- you know course of my life so far. That's great, you know. It's, and I love what you said too about traveling and about being uncomfortable and being okay with being uncomfortable. Because I think, and I know for me this was the case too. Traveling changed my life and made me wrecked. It yeah. in a lot of people that happens. I think when you step out of your comfort zone and what you're familiar with, there's more of an opportunity to encounter those sorts of things, to get wrecked, to find more meaning. You know, for me, I did my first traveling trip at 15. We did a, a, our church group went to Russia and built an orphanage, or built a playground at the orphanage. And as a 15-year-old, you know, middle-class American, going to see orphans in a small town and see the poverty and how they live, it changed me forever. You know, it really set me on course, which today it's making me want to intersect. How can I use what I have, the blessings, the privileges, the resources to make a difference in someone else's life so I can help them with what I have? And I know you've done that too, you know, and you're, you're using your writing, your passion, to kind of intersect that desire to make a difference but use what you're good at. And, and the outcome of that is, has been this website and your writings and stuff. And I think that's really awesome. So that's that's great. Thanks. Um, I hope so. Yeah, it's cool. And you mentioned too, you have a book coming out. And is from what I understand, that all sort of came about through the blog. Is that right? Yeah, sort of in a in a, in a backwards way. You know, I wrote that ebook, that manifesto, years ago, and then um, my blog kind of got you know a little popular. Uh, earlier this year and, and I started engaging with people online that I'd never, you know, met before. I've been blogging elsewhere for a while and, and things had sort of stagnated and then when I started this new project, um, you know, it really sort of uh, started to blow up a little bit and, um, and, and an editor contacted me, you know, they, they saw, I think they started seeing me on, you know, Twitter and Facebook popping up. And so then they started digging, and they found this old uh, ebook that I had written, and that really piqued their interest. But yes, yeah, so the the blog kind of led them to the manifesto, and uh, then it led to some discussions about turning that into a book. Great. So, what would you say to other people watching too about? I mean, you've obviously seen power in online um, blogs and websites and putting stuff out there. How would other people say they have? this passion to make a difference in whatever area it is, whether it's, like you said, the lady from Uganda wanted to get compassion kids or help in orphanages or writing or helping businesses or adoption or whatever it is. Say they have a passion and a dream and a desire. How could they leverage that in an online platform to help them see their dream to change the world come to pass? Yeah, you know, I think it's um, it's a good question. And I mean, there's lots of people trying to answer it, especially in more of the you know for-profit uh, sector. Yeah. My belief is that we live in a really <coughs> time where a person is able to be their own artist and patron. Yeah. You know, able to be an artist and a, and their own patron at the same time. And you know, back during the Renaissance and. Uh, you know, long before the internet and modern technology, you had 
these different groups of people. You know, you had artists who were typically very poor, yeah. uh, unless they had a patron, unless they had somebody who was willing to finance their art. And so for a season, you know, that was the church. Um, and then it was also, you know, rich families like the Medici's mm-hmm. uh, who funded um, uh, all kinds of, of, of artists, including um, Da Vinci, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, Michelangelo. Um, yeah, so uh, what's interesting is I think you can be your own patron with, um, with the web and with the ability to build a platform and reach a ton of people in a short amount of time. And, uh, and that's really exciting, but I, but I think you have to be in, intentional about yeah. how to do that. And so, um, you know, I, I think that you find a way to begin a conversation. And so if that's a blog or um, you know, a website, a message board, it has to be you know, a newsletter, whatever it is, you have to have some sort of asset that uh, allows people to give you permission to communicate with them. Yeah. You know, so whether it's I give you my email address or I subscribe to you via RSS feed or I just show up and check out your blog every day, uh, whatever it is, but you have to have something to yeah. show. And the point of that is just to begin a conversation about you know whatever you want to talk about and then I think you can take that and you can leverage that and you can, if you want to help people, you can turn that into uh, a business or uh, a platform that helps you get the word out about your product or service mm-hmm. or dream or passion or, or whatever it is. Um, but but I, I think the best way, the way that has worked for me, and I've seen it work for other people who feel like what they do is art. You know, and that can be anything. You yeah. know, that can be... Uh, you know, having a confectionery or being a plumber or uh, being a writer. Um, I I think that you have to find what people want and serve them, which is kind of the patronage side of things, and and you have to be willing to help people. And and then you have to find a way to connect that with your art in a way that's not kind of a a one-off. And so for some people, they're just able to create stuff that's meaningful and, and people will show up and pay attention to it. But that's not always the case. And I know a lot of writers and artists and uh, creative people with passions feel like if they just talk about their passion enough, people will show up and listen. And and I don't know that that's true. I think you have to be really intentional about helping people. And the internet is a great way because nobody Googles, um, you know, like very few people Google more like artistic type of things. They want to, like, what they're looking for is information. You know, they're, they're not looking, nobody Googles, you know, interesting essay about uh, grandfather. Uh, but, right. but they want to know, you know, how to, um, you know, get a MacBook Pro for half off. Or, um, you know, how to confront uh, a, an estranged family member, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. It's not all practical, but I think if you position yourself as somebody who's willing to help other people, that's a great way to leverage an online platform. And the cool thing is it, it sort of takes a you know, traditional business or organizational model and flips it upside down. So instead of creating a product or a service and then saying, how can I market this? How can I reach people with this? Which is what still most people do. You can actually do the opposite. You can go find a niche. You can find your market for whatever idea or product or whatever it is that you're thinking about creating. Find a group of people that are talking about something, or 
you know, found one, create create a market by talking about a topic that nobody else is talking about it or do it in a unique way, people will rally around you if you're helping them. And you can build a community that way. And then you can actually go to the community and you can say, what could I provide for you that would help you? You know, and, and if your end goal is to be your own patron, to, you know, make a living at this, then you can ask the question, and what are you willing to pay for it? You know, what mm-hmm. what can I do that will help you? And this model works again and again and again. I'm seeing it online all the time uh, through blogs and uh, email newsletters and social media. Uh, never before in history, and we sort of take this for granted, those of us who are familiar with it, but never before in history have we been able to have such direct personal communication with immediate instant feedback. And that's a really powerful tool if uh, people will utilize it well. Sure. And, and, if you, and if you want to help people, and that's an important caveat, if you want to help people or if you can discipline yourself to help people, um, I really don't think there's there's anything, there's no obstacle, there's nothing stopping you from turning that into something really big and, and really important. And um, you know, I, I'm continually learning this, that uh, great art will find its reward. Great work, really, truly mm-hmm. remarkable stuff, just has a way of, of getting rewarded. Yeah. And I'm finding that with writing, with you know, helping other writers and inspiring and motivating people. And so I think that's, I think that's true. If you have something unique and important to offer the world and you serve first, mm-hmm. I find that people will be generous back to you. That's good. Yeah, do it. Do it well. You can't just get out there and do a, a lackluster job and not do that well and expect people to want to follow you and be a part of what you're doing. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you know, if you if you're not sure if you have something great or remarkable to offer, which I think, you know, when most people are starting out with anything, they're they're sort of self conscious of that. Uh, a great way to compensate for that lack of confidence is to just uh, be overly generous, help people. N- mm-hmm. Nobody dislikes a really helpful person right. and if they do they're they're jerks but most people you know if, if you go up to me and go hey how can I serve you uh, other than that being maybe a little bit socially weird in, in some context sure. uh, you know that's that's that catches people off guard because yeah. most people even online are uh, selfish you know they're they're more concerned with with themselves and so a great way to be different and to build a community is to uh, try to be overly gracious and helpful and generous. Absolutely. That's great. And the, the other great part about online is what I found is you can do it for cheap. Like you were saying about patrons, you don't need somebody. I mean, I think I've gotten, I've grown what I have, which isn't, you know, near what you have. I'm a lot further, I'm a lot less further along than you are, but I've only, I've put in, I think, less than $100 into everything I'm doing so far. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is amazing. You know, like when you think about founding a business uh, you know my, my dad sells hot dogs and pizza in a uh, small town in, in Alabama mm-hmm. and uh, you know like he had this is like the cost of living is super low in this city and he's got super low overhead I mean it's just a great business model but I mean he's still paying a few hundred dollars in rent for his storefront location which is Nothing, you know, yeah. compared to uh, you know office space in, in any decent sized city, or even in that city, I mean, it really mm-hmm. wasn't steel. But I mean, think about like an online business where you're literally paying like ten dollars a month at most yeah. for rent, you know, to to host your website, mm-hmm. or, or you know, at, at most you're you're paying maybe 
a thousand dollars or a couple of thousand dollars to design a really good looking website. I mean, when you think about that compared to like a brick and mortar business where you've got to, uh, you know, pay for electricity and pay an interior designer. I mean, you're just that's why people, you know, yeah. take out small business loans for restaurants, and they're you know easily fifty thousand dollars in debt, and it and they don't make any money for the first three years. Right. And your so it's, it's remarkable, yeah. you know. And your reach is worldwide, you know. Whereas, like a brick and mortar business, your reach is just within the people in that little city or the vicinity of it. Whereas an online business, I mean, you know, people. I mean, I I I have people sign up, you know, and on my Mailchimp I use it says where they're from, and it's like all over the world. People see what you're doing and get excited about it, and and I like that because I really think more and more it's going global and. Where the world is flat, like the book I think it was Friedman wrote. Yeah, right, absolutely. Uh, well, I don't want to take up more of your time. I know you're busy. You got books to write, blog articles to do. But uh, before we go, just tell people uh, one: when is your book coming out, and where can they buy it? And two: just lay out your information so everybody knows where they can find you and other resources to help them. Sure. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, so the book, I, I can't say exactly when it's coming out. It will either be August, September, or October. It'll be October at the latest. Uh, again, the, the book is called uh, Wrecked um, when a, I have to, you know, I always have to remember this because we sure. went back and forth with like 20 different I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, Wrecked when a broken world slams into your uh, comfortable life. Right. And, uh, and you can you can find it online, uh, you know, wherever books are sold, right. uh, Amazon, um, yeah, bookstores, right. wherever. And uh, people can find me. You know, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Goins, and um, they can find my blog, GoinsWriter.com, and there's links to all other social media outlets and places where I hang out. All right, so, great. Well, thank you so much. Look forward to keeping in touch, and I'll definitely. Put a lot of people over to your site who who want help with writing and reading and getting inspired and getting wrecked. That's that's important. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Justin. All right.